everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Coffee with Yvonne, a show for creatives and entrepreneurs. I hope you're having a great week, a great month, a great Black History Month, because February is Black History Month. Shout out to all my Black creators and professionals who are out here changing the game in their industry through the work that we are doing, whether it's behind the scenes in the corporate space or in front of the camera through our content and also our impact. As someone who hosts this show, this podcast that could, I honestly could not have imagined the level that I would be in my career at such a young age, according to my mom, a young age, but you know, societal pressure. But being able to be a senior in my field to also own my own business, uh, award-winning business, I got to learn how to recognize my accomplishments, but my own award-winning business and also have this podcast that has reached almost 10,000 downloads in its first year as a podcast. There are moments where I just sit in awe at the grace and the favor that has been bestowed upon me. And as a black content creator and professional, I'm just appreciative of that and what I can do with this stage that I am building for myself and other creators as well to have a spotlight for what they do and the work that they are accomplishing. That being said, I do have another special guest today and I'm excited about this one because it's going to be fun. (laughs) I do have another special guest joining me for coffee today. So grab your coffee and honey, let's chat. Before we get into this week's episode, of course, we have to get into our industry news segment called What's the Brew? And guess what, y'all? Since it's Black History Month, what we gonna do? We gonna have a Black History Month themed What's the Brew? And while it may not be exactly Black History facts, Black History to me are people who are making history in this moment, in this time. We don't always have to recognize the past, but we can recognize the present and what we're doing to move the needle towards the future. In our first story, on Black Enterprise, this was reported on their Instagram channel, Morehouse College, yes, that Morehouse, is teaching a Black history course in the metaverse. It will be the first Black college to do so, beginning in spring. This course is part of their virtual reality project, and it's titled... The History of the African Diaspora Since 1800. The cool thing is about this, Morehouse is embracing technology, which is, you know, part of our current industries, but also part of the future in building out increased spaces for us to engage, build business, build businesses, excuse me, and also be impactful in telling our stories in our own way. Students will have the chance to enter this 3D space to experience the lives of the enslaved. And I think that this is important, especially as we have these discussions around what is history and what is not, and also the erasure of our history and the impact of black culture in our textbooks, in our workspaces. It's just, to be frank, very hard to understand why there's a threat behind the truth of our stories being told because black history is American history. It is interweaved so tightly within the U S story 
that if we choose to remove it from the overall context, we will be removing a huge chunk of what America is today. And I love the fact that Morehouse is blazing the trail in helping students reimagine what black history looks like, but also telling the uncomfortable truths about our history as well that have helped us lay the foundation for our culture. In our next story, the 1619 Project is now on Hulu. Now, even though it's February, uh, the 1619 Project did go live on Hulu in January. So apologies for sharing the story a little bit late. But the 1619 Project, which announced it on its IG channel, is now live on Hulu, as I've shared. If you did not know, the 1619 Project is based on Nicole Hannah-Jones groundbreaking essay in the New York Times. And this essay was so powerful, y'all. It sparked a national debate that is still ongoing about what is American history and coined the term critical race theory, which I'm not going to go into that at the moment. If you want to Google, you can Google, but I have my thoughts. This documentary is a partnership with the Onyx Collective and Oprah. Yes, Oprah. You get a car. You get a car. Oprah. And it explores the generational impact of black people dating back to the arrival of the first African cargo in 1619. And it's not just about telling the sad part of our story. It's about celebrating, like I said, the overall impact of our story through music, through food, through history. And these are the stories that unfortunately have been buried, unfortunately have been limited to college discussions in classrooms that need to have a broader lens about Black America and what we have done to build the U.S. Let's just tell a story how it's supposed to be told. Black history has been limited to certain historical figures. We don't even have to say their names because we all did the reports in school. But we are so much more than that. We are so much more than just three stories that are told once a month. I'm sorry, not once a month, one time a year. We are inventors. We are cultural shifters. We are historians. We are professors. We are so many things that have not been allowed to be told in a broader lens. And the 1619 Project will definitely explore that while telling those uncomfortable truths at the same time, because I have watched the episodes. And even though it made me emotional to see what we went through as a people, it also made me proud to know how resilient that we are to keep going despite all the odds that are continually stacked against us that would have exhausted anyone. But we have almost built this genetic code of resilience in our DNA to keep moving forward despite the challenges that face us. Please support the 1619 Project. Please take a look and have an open perspective about these stories that are being told. And if you need to do further research, take the time to do accurate research and not just a quick Google search of what you think the history of that story is. In our final story, Miel Organics. We gonna talk about it. Miel Organics was acquired by Procter and Gamble. I'm gonna do this from 
a most diplomatic approach as possible while sprinkling in some of my own personal thoughts to be fair. Miel Organics, as you know, is a black woman, black owned, black founded brand, hair care brand that creates products around healthier hair growth. And they smell good too, to be honest. But they were acquired by Procter & Gamble. And it, this was very recent. Um, there has been an uproar about this acquisition. First, I'm going to read to you their statement on Instagram. Let me pull it up. Give me one second. So they did a statement on Instagram talking about the acquisition. There was... Hmm. How can I say this? Due to a TikTok trend, there was a lot of backlash from this announcement. And it's unfortunate that people have taken that stance without really reading the statement and taking time to understand the why behind the acquisition. I'm going to read the statement first and then share my thoughts and we will go from there. Sound good? Sound good. The statement reads, it is with great joy and excitement that I announced that Miel has joined forces with Procter & Gamble Beauty. I am so excited to continue furthering the mission and vision of Miel, which is to serve the underserved with high quality, innovative products. I created this brand due to the limited access to quality products for and in our community. My goal was not only to change the narrative, but to make sure that black women globally are able to have access to the products that meet their needs. To join forces with a strategic partner to expand my brand globally has always been a dream and it has finally come true. I selected PNG because they believe in my vision and they support our passion for the community. I also love how they have such diversity in their executive team and the people behind the scenes who help orchestrate this alliance. The science and technology access, especially the access to African-American chemists, was super impressive and allows me to serve my customers with nothing but the best, which is what I've always committed to. We have no plans to change the formulas and will still continue to innovate and formulate as we have always have, but now with even better resources. I've always operated with integrity and transparency, and that will not change. That's who I am. Melvin and I, that's her husband, will remain the CEO and COO of Miel. Miel will still remain black-led and operated as an independent subsidiary. And we are committed to providing opportunities for black leadership in our community as we always have. Every black entrepreneur should be able to scale and have access to opportunities to grow and expand their business like any other culture without being labeled as a sellout. This is not a sellout. This is a sell up, a level up for our community. This is growth. When we have more, we can do more to give back and uplift our community. We can create more businesses in the community and allow them to grow and scale and not feel bad or ashamed about it. It is a win for our community when businesses have the opportunity to grow, scale, and expand. This has always been a dream of mine and I'm thankful and grateful to be in this position to join forces with P&G Beauty. 
I have always lived with purpose and kept God first. Before this decision was made, Melvin and I prayed and prayed and prayed some more. This was a God-led decision, and for that, I am thankful. God orders my steps, and I will continue to be moved and led by him. I'm also really proud to share that as part of this partnership, PNG and Melvin and I have each donated $10 million to our nonprofit organization, Miel Cares. This donation will help provide educational and funding resources to advance initiatives in entrepreneurship and education in black and brown communities. Thank you for those who got scrappy with me in the garage, helping me to pump and pack orders. Thank you to my family who have always supported me, my kids who have believed in me, and my husband who has always supported me. Thank you to, to Jermaine Bold Leftridge who took us under her wing and showed us the way. The New Voices family and Berkshire partners who believed in us in our vision. It is only up from here. This is a dream come true. I will never abandon my community. The real work is just getting started. Looking forward to an amazing year and revealing all the great things I have been working on with Miel and for all the Mavens. Signed, Monique Rodriguez. Oh, I'm trying not to get emotional as I read that because I really think we have so many opinions in our community about what success looks like. But there's also a glass ceiling to how high we can get to the next level of that success. And a lot of times we grow these businesses into multi-million dollar ventures. And in order for us to take the next step, we need more capital and more money to grow these businesses to have more of a global impact. Miel Organics, I'm a user, I'm a believer in its products, has done something only so many black brands have done. And I'm not gonna forget the other ones who have sold to other companies, we'll talk about that. But Miel Organics has managed to build a business on integrity, on black culture, and on faith, honestly. And to see the, the tweets, the backlash about Miel Organics making this decision to call them a sellout, to say that, you know, there goes another black business that's not about their community is an unfair and an unfounded statement. I really, really need for us to stop with this BS of thinking if we are acquired or do a partnership with a non-black founded company that we are sellouts. We are not sellouts. How are we supposed to build capital in our community? How are we supposed to have impact and change if we stay in the same place that we have always been? That is the mindset that keeps us back from moving forward, from being impactful as capital ventures, as investors, <clears throat> and creating equity in spaces that we are still not allowed in. I really hope that people don't write me out organics off simply because of this partnership and a TikTok trend for some girls who don't understand how the products work for their hair because it ain't for them in the first place. I hope that we do not all of a sudden think that because we have growth in our businesses, because we want to take those businesses from being $1 million company. Hell, let's go back forward. You know, five-figure companies to six-figure to millions to billion-dollar companies that we are sellouts. We are not sellouts. 
We want to grow. We want to innovate. We want to progress and we want to move forward. And we can't do that sometimes by staying in the same spaces. Like she said in her statement, this is not a sell out. It is a sell up. And I really hope the black and brown community sees that, actually takes the time to read the statement and not take someone's tweet or lack of information about some ingredients on the back of a bottle, which was really just a label change and not ingredients change as facts. This harmful information that we sometimes take social media to be word and fact is a lot of times harmful to the impact of these black businesses. And I really need for us to understand that and to not take someone's word who is not the business owner, who is not part of the deal or acquisition and has no idea how to run a business in the first damn place as word. For this week's episode of Coffee with Yvonne, I am joined by the creators of Do You Know Black, Darnell and Alyssa. It is an interactive game show that tests the culture and knowledge of black history, both past and present. And I learned about Darnell and Alyssa's platform through Instagram. I was served up a, a recommended ad on the channel and I was just so intrigued by the work that they're doing to, you know, edutain, educate and entertain people about the impact of black culture. And that doesn't limit us to those three figures that we all know one time a year, but really explores our impact across industries from tech all the way out to beauty and food. So please enjoy this interview, this very fun interview, even testing my knowledge of black culture, please be kind, with Darnell and Alyssa. I've been going for like three weeks straight. And I had to sit down and look at my calendar and think, oh, today is Thursday because I was on Wednesday for at least the first two hours today. Oh, yes, that, that is true, actually. That's facts. Now that I think about it, it is tomorrow is Friday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're almost there. It's almost time for Halloween. I got two costumes ready to go. So I'm just, you know, I'm ready to show the people what I'm going to be this year. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a secret or? <laughs> no, I mean, by the time this drops, it would have already been, Halloween would have already passed. So I'm going to be for work, Ursula. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting like full makeup. My costume is like the full sea witch costume. And then for the second one, for a party I was invited to, I'm going to be Regina George. Oh, I love that. Thanks. I love both, but the, the Mean Girls references never die, never gets old. <laughs> it doesn't. And I love playing a villain because it's so opposite of my personality. No one expects me to show up as a villain. I was Cruella last year and, and everyone so gagged. You like, every year you're a villain every year. That's fun. You know, I kind of like it. <laughs> are, you, are, you a method, the, are you a method actor? Is the actress is the question. Is the method here? I, I get into it. I've been practicing okay. my evil laugh with Ursula for the past four weeks. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so watch out in the team meetings. Okay. Yes. Yes. Don't be fooled by the pink glasses. Like the face can change real quick. Like don't, <laughs> don't, don't play with me. I'm not for play play. And anyway, thank you guys so much for joining me for another chat. So to give you a proper introduction, as I mentioned, everyone who are listening to this episode, I'm, I'm really, this is going to be fun. I've been following uh, Alyssa and Darnell, do you know black platform for quite a while. It came across through one of those targeted ads on Instagram. So those do work to tell you the truth. They do work. Woo. But 
<laughs> I saw the format for this show and I was like, this is actually a cool concept because a lot of people are not aware of how in-depth Black history and Black culture is and it just is not from the past, it's really the present. And I slid into the DMs, you know, took my shot and they actually responded. So today they're going to be my guests on the show and they were going to do a little bit of a different format in which we're going to play a bit of Do You Know Black, the mini version. Hopefully I don't embarrass my mama because my mom said, I better read up on my black history before I get on this platform. Mom, I did not do it, but I hope I do you proud. That being said, we have to give you an official introduction. And Alyssa, I will read your receipts first. Alyssa is a co-creator of House Party Entertainment and Do You Know Black, a seasoned marketer. Hey sis, all right, marketer. <laughs> she has over 12 years experience in integrated marketing brand partnerships and communications for companies including Roku, NBC Universal, Annie Networks, and UNICEF. With a passion for event production, Alyssa has also managed sponsorships and on-site activations for productions, including Tribeca Film Festival, the Urban Music Awards, and ACE Comic Con. Alyssa serves as the researcher and writer for the Do You Know Black franchise. For Darnell, Darnell is the co-creator of House Party Entertainment and Do You Know Black. His background includes 12 plus years experience in talent acquisition, diversity and inclusion, employer brand strategy and event production for corporations including Twitter, the NBA, Scripps Network, Discovery Communications, and Unilever. I know I probably read that wrong, my bad. Um, with a passion for social impact, Darnell holds certificates in equitable community change from Cornell University. I have two from Cornell too, how you doing? <laughs> and Circular Economy and Sustainable Strategy from the University of Cambridge. He is currently pursuing his MBA in Human Resources from Montclair State University. He serves as a director and editor for the Do You Know Black franchise. And with that being said, welcome to Coffee with Yvonne, Darnell and Alyssa. Burr, 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 burr. We in there, we in there. <laughs> I love the fanfare. We just take you with us everywhere. <laughs> Hype us up. <laughs> I mean, you know, hi, woman. I can do that, too. <laughs> well, you guys, thank you again for joining me. Your game show, Do You Know Black? It tests the culture on their knowledge of Black history, both past and present. Can you share with me what the inspiration was behind creating the show? Okay. Um, so the inspiration actually came quite some years before that. Um, about around 2015, um, Darnell and I created a trivia card game called House Party the Game. Um, we loved hosting people, having people over, and I was always trying to create, at that time there really wasn't, now there's a lot, but there weren't um, any black you know, created games. So every time people would come, I found myself having to write up questions and come up with like fun twists on games for the culture. And um, one of the ones that we had come up with was uh, a, a game which was like a black pop culture trivia uh, trivia game. It went really, really well. Um, and I decided, I told her and I was like, I think this is, this could be a, a thing. So I wanted to pursue, you know, making it into a full game. So 
long story short, we turn it into a card game. It does really well. Um, people start asking us. It was really focused on 90s uh, black pop culture, like movies, music, television moments. So we were taking it on like a little road show, going to different homecomings and different events. And people kept asking, like, when are you going to do something, you know, black history based? And after the couple of times we realized, like, we both love history. I would have loved to do something, but the the format just didn't seem to make sense for a trivia card game, seeing that a lot of black people don't even know their history. So it wouldn't make for a very fun game. Uh, so we were playing around with ideas and Darnell, you know, had a great suggestion. He thought that I honestly had to kind of lean into it in the beginning. He had the suggestion to like, why don't we turn this into a game show format? So we, we, we just decided, hey, let's, let's try it out. So in 2018, we shot the first season of Do You Know Black? So that's the very early season that you see on our YouTube channel currently. Um, it was just us testing things out. We did four episodes, which essentially we shot two different dates. We shot two episodes in one day for, for, for that. It was like an after work event. <laughs> we, we shot the content, we were kind of winging it and, uh, and then tried to figure out how to make it work after the fact. So after a couple of years of going back and forth, which you know may, we can go into deeper later if there's a question about that, but after some time of trying to get you know the idea together and get the content edited and going back and forth with different you know vendors and freelancers, Darnell just ended up teaching himself how to edit. He was able to edit it down. And so we finally released it on our YouTube during the pandemic and it, we got a really great response. So we decided like, hey, let's try it one more time. And you know, Darnell is like a big proponent of go big or go home. So we decided to like double the number of episodes. We decided to shoot 10 episodes, come out with another show, uh, an after show and then our own show. So we ended up shooting maybe like 30 episodes of content um, in two and a half days for the, the game show. And that's sort of where it, it's gone from there. And Darnell, I appreciate the fact that not only once you tested the concept, because uh, for those who do not understand in marketing or creative, you have to test your concepts to see what works. You don't just want to launch something out there and then it just falls flat. So the fact that you took time to test the concept and instead of waiting for other people to do the work, you did the work in learning how to edit for yourself. What, what made you go, you know what, I could just do this on my own. I'm going to figure it out and move forward. Well, that's a great that's a great question, um, and uh, it was a, it was a product of necessity, um, and, and I think that um, as as entrepreneurs, there's a lot of things that you learn. The first thing is a lot of it, in order to scale any business, a lot of things have to happen very quickly at the same time. So, and, and I think a lot of businesses fail because they they cannot scale. So when we first uh, this was in a, this was a foreign space to us, right? Um, we we are very good with project management, event production, but the technical aspect of uh, content creation uh, and developing an actual show, um, we we weren't well versed in. We did have one partner um, on the project with us that has a deep background in that space, which was helpful, um, but when it comes to the day to day of post production. Um, we didn't necessarily know how to execute that. So initially we had, um, it took us about two years to, uh, so we initially taped the first episodes in 2018. 
and we were we were targeting to launch like six months after and then six months turns into one year and then one year turns into two years and of that two year time frame about one and a half years of that so like 18 months of that was spent waiting for people to do things waiting for people to give me what they said they were going to give me so somebody would say oh this is going to take two weeks and then four weeks later i'm still waiting for it two months later i'm still waiting for it so that's what initially happened with editing and there came a point when I was just trying to figure out how are we going to get this raw footage and and move it into an actual product. So I went, to, I literally went to uh, computer overhauls in New York City. I got myself a, a refurbished 2012 MacBook Pro, and uh, because at the time that's all I could afford, and I just went on YouTube and uh, just started teaching myself, uh, and that was like the first aspect of it. And then you start looking into like audio engineering, and you realize that okay, well you need to. You need to get an audio engineer and you realize how long that takes. So then I'm like, okay, well, let me teach myself how to audio engineer. And then you start figuring out like motion graphics and how to do that. Um, ultimately, we ended up finding a really good motion graphics designer uh, to create all the graphics for the show. Um, but even that process, we went through two motion graphics designer beforehand. And it took like five months of non-delivery before I found this third person. And the third person was able to execute what we needed within two weeks. So it just kind of shows you uh, the the difficulties of having to rely, I guess, on, on people for certain things, especially when it's Alyssa and I, we have all the investment in here and we're the ones that are most motivated to see it done. So there did come a point when it, it would have been great if we had some expertise that was able to execute in the timeframes that we needed, but it was empowering when you get to the point when it's like, okay, let me teach myself. Let me give myself a timeline that I personally know that I can manage and then take it from there. And I appreciate that you said that because like I shared with you, I think in the earlier part of the episode, I had to teach myself how to create my own podcast when I pivoted from the YouTube platform to a podcast platform. And instead of paying a producer, I said, well, I think it'll be a valuable skill for me to know. So let me teach myself how to edit, you know, the audio, the best way of recording, even down to the sound Darnell that we were talking about before find the things that work for you. Getting back to your show, Do You Know Black? I noticed on your website that you list something called this list of the sixes, I believe. Can you briefly explain what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So sixes, uh, is, it was actually something that we were early on in development when we're thinking about brand development. It's like six E's, right? So and that, that's pretty much where that was. And it's still something that's being refined right now. But the big thing for us is that Do You Know Black is a purpose-driven brand. A lot of larger corporations, they, when you start off with uh, profit first or sales first, or how do you execute that first, um, instead of rooting it in like, what is the true value and the reason why we exist, um, you don't get a chance to be nuanced in like why you're doing what you're doing. Um, there, and I'll get into what the six E's are specifically, but when you look at brands, brands with a purpose perform better um, that's that's factual, um, whether it's a consumer product, um, whether it's a service, uh, if you can attach what you're doing to an actual tangible cause that's helping people legitimately, um, there's a value. So Do You Know Black at its core is uh, about elevating the Black community. So the six E's uh, that we have, uh, we have educate, uh, empower, elevate, enrich, engage, and entertain. When it comes to educate, 
like the core of Do You Know Black. First and foremost, backtrack is Do You Know Black? We have the game show. We have Do You Know Black? The Kickback. We have Do You Know Black? Creators Kickback. And then we're also having other shows that we're producing that are going to be within the Do You Know Black universe. Say that all that to say that Do You Know Black is a brand and it's not just a singular product. And these apply across our entire brand and what we're going to be doing moving forward. Of course, we're going to be modifying a bit uh, as well. So when it comes to education, Do You Know Black, the game show is rooted in education, right? All, uh, all history, um, all culture, domestically and internationally. Uh, so that's like the first thing. It's about like, how do we educate on the things that the school system is not educating us on? The empower piece is like when you have a sense of understanding of yourself and your roots and your ancestry, it's empowering. And that's like one of the big things that we want to do with the types of stories that we're telling. And Alyssa is a tremendous storyteller. And within all of the questions that we write, um, and even if you look at our YouTube page, yes, we have the questions from the game show, but we also attach them to clips or moments or, or stories from history. And Alyssa is proficient at doing the research and storytelling. And we feel that that's empowering. Uh, when it comes to elevating, it goes beyond the content. It goes beyond like how we're doing business and how are we providing like tangible resources or opportunities um, or leveraging our platform or our network to help to elevate Black people. One example of this within the show is the All Black Prize Pack, where we're featuring Black-owned businesses in a way that they've never been featured before, where we literally are the prize that people are paying for, right, or playing for. Um, so that's one of the ways that we elevate and we are building building on this idea of elevating Black people and Black cultures. Enriching is like, how are we bringing the community together? How are we bringing people together around, uh, around our brand and around uh, our content and around our experiences? And I know later on, we're going to talk a little bit more about like the Do You Know Black experience. And then engaging is about cross-cultural engagement. How do we promote a space where one, um, it, it's a safe space for people to learn, uh, but also a safe space for people to become allies, um, right? So that are non-Black and to, and to learn more about us. And then the last thing, the last E is to entertain. We want to do this in a way that's non-medicinal. And we think that that's very important because that is what makes it sustainable. It's just like when somebody's working out, it's like instead of going to run five miles, you might go and play basketball because basketball is more fun, right? So, so this is... Um, at, at a core, what the 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 purpose is, um, that was something that we developed very early on, and over the course of the next year or so, uh, we do plan on expanding our purpose and refining our purpose a little bit more for what Do You Know Black 2.0 looks like. You better be on your Obama empowerment speech. That was wonderful. You broke it down completely. You gave a great explanation. Uh, Alyssa, from your context, I just want to know as a professional in the marketing and comm space, uh, why did you guys decide to film in front of a live studio audience, especially in today's digital age? Why is that so important? And what does the guest experience look like? Uh, speaking to Darnell's point about the prizes that are given out from black owned businesses. But what does that look like? Give us a bit in, of insight. Yeah, so I think it was really important for us to have an audience because, as we mentioned before, when we initially started this event, um, when we first launched this uh, the show, it's an, it's an event. So people who are watching it on YouTube, watching it at home, they'll see it as a show, but it's actually an experience. You know, like we shoot in New York, so we wanted to make sure we had a space where we could bring people together. It was literally created initially as an after work experience where we brought together people from different you know different walks of life within New York to come together 
be entertained, meet cool people, have a good time. And so for us, it's always been important to have a live studio audience because we saw it initially after we first shot and every time since. It's hard to describe what the energy is if you're not if you're not there, but like the, the actual experience, it's, it's, we have like a DJ there, we have some food, we have drinks, um, uh, you know, everyone's connecting and, and just the energy that comes out of watching this live show, watching maybe people make mistakes, you know, on, you know, while they're filming their, their segment or um, getting the audience involved in some of the questions when somebody gets something wrong, like the energy is just, uh, is, is really hard to describe. Like after the show, and you'll see this in, the, in this season, a couple of people mention it in their like kind of going out, their their, their exit speeches when they're um, getting voted off. But like, they'll mention like, wow, it was, I had like the most amazing time. It was magical. Like just having a bunch of black, smart, um, in, enthusiastic, um, excited uh, people in the space all at once just leaves this energy that's that's magical. Um, so yeah, that's why it was it was really important for us to make sure we kept that because everyone leaves with this sense of and I'm not even speaking it you know sp speaking it up but like people leave feeling like empowered and they'll come to us afterwards and say wow that was like amazing you know so I want to add to I want to add Darnell? to yeah. that too. A, a big component and, and this we actually when we taped season two this was like right right around when things were opening back up from covid uh, right so um and and it was even within that where it was a restricted um number of people that could be in the space uh, it was still just powerful like floor shaking um with just a fraction of the people there another big thing is that our entire production team is black and brown uh, it's something that I took for granted just being outside of the space. And it wasn't until one of the uh, camera operators, uh, when we were doing like the last, when we were going to the last show, we had like the, the, the speech, like, Hey, this is it. We're at the finish line. They stepped up and they were like, Hey, listen, I've, I've been on a bunch of production sets and I've never been in a room where you have 25 black and Brown people behind the camera. That's never the case. And that's, that's when I realized like, this is what, this is why we're here. Right. And see, that makes sense. It's, it's what I like to call the Issa Rae effect because Issa Rae said in an interview, I can't think of the actual publication, but she said that she purposely hires black and brown executives on her team or showrunners. And she gave a charge for other people in her industry and also marketing and advertising to do the same because unfortunately it's still a very low percentage of black and brown creatives who are behind the scenes. A lot of times they want us in front of the camera, but people don't realize there's a lot of power behind the camera in those decision-making roles, in those production roles, and in those executive roles, because we're the ones who move the needle forward, and we're the ones who empower that change for our communities to give other people a platform. Now, thinking about Black history, I know all of us were raised when we were little. We had uh, Black History Month in school. We all did our posters you know, and stood in front of the classroom and talked about the, what I like to call the trifecta, which is MLK, Martin Luther King, Rosa, and Harriet. However, we all know that Black history spans time, industries, and innovation, yet many of us are not exposed to it until later in life, myself included. Why do you think this is the case? Um, you know, I think that there's power in knowledge, and I think that that's an, un I think that 
the system understands that. Um, I think that the idea that all of us, and it's funny that you say that because I think I, I've always said this and I hear different people saying the same iteration of this, the, that, you know, black history doesn't start with slavery and end with, you know, the civil rights movement, right? Like we all recognize this, yet it's continuing to be uh, what you see in education and in school. So clearly they know that, like there hasn't been any big movement to, to you know, increase the level of knowledge. And if we're not gonna do it, the schools are not gonna do that for us. You know, the system or the man or however, whoever you wanna chalk it up to, they're not going to be those people to turn around and say, hey, let me tell you about this person. Um, let me tell you, and I don't, I don't wanna say anybody's names wrong, so I'm, just, I'm not gonna give the specific examples, but like, let me tell you about all of this, this amazing woman who invented, who worked for NASA and invented this, or this other person who, um, you know, worked for a television network and did this. Like, we're very limited in our thought and our perception of what we're able to do because we're very focused in very specific industries or the, the narrative is very focused in specific industries like entertainment and sports, um, maybe activism and, and education. But because we only see that, I think that that is a big part of why we don't have diversity in a lot of industries outside of those areas because other people might give up. They're like, I can't be a doctor. I have no interest in being a doctor or I'm not smart enough to be a doctor or a lawyer or this. It's either that or I go play basketball. When we know in corporate, like there are thousands of different jobs that you can do. And hearing about one person who did something, even somebody who created something, because it doesn't necessarily have to be a corporate job. You know, there's a lot out there for entrepreneur in terms of entrepreneurship and what you could be thinking and creating. So I feel like just having that knowledge um, really exp expands your horizon and it really like sets the bar a little bit higher for what your expectation is for yourself and what you're willing, the work that you're willing to put in. And I want to add to that, too. Um, I think that the way that and I want to be very mindful of how I'm saying this, like we what is done for black people is just enough to drive consumerism. Um, that that is how we are viewed in America, I think, is how do we do just enough to appease the black community in all systems? so that they can be our consumers, but never really receive the support to enhance their lives in the way that their lives can be enhanced. Um, an example of this is even Alyssa and I, as we've had conversations with various corporations um, and individuals being that our background is in corporate. So we've had these conversations in, you know, with, with people from a do you know black perspective and how the do you know black brand and the do you know black purpose, which is, I would say, very noble and very needed um, when we're discussing this. And we've had people pretty much say, um, you have to dumb it down, right? So, so like that's essentially what uh, almost, ver almost verbatim uh, we've heard. We've, we've heard people say that like, you know, well, black people don't care about inventors, right? Like we've, we've heard those statements so, so when you say those types of things and you, and this may be coming from a black person in the organ, in organizations that have the power to influence, but what they're looking at our brand is how can we leverage your brand today 
to gain more black consumers. So when you get to the point where you as a consumer or you as a people are only viewed in terms of how can we efficiently exploit you and get your dollars or exploit your ideas, history, education on history doesn't necessarily have to be part of that equation, right? Um, the only way that it becomes part of that equation is if we enlarge consistently demand it, right? Um, and and that, that's a different question because, uh, you know, how long do we demand something before we get distracted by what they actually give us, which is typically not rooted in Black history or self-actualization? And honestly, to your point, I think there's so much pride in being proud of who you are and where you come from. Like for me, my blackness to be transparent, growing up in the, I'm a late 80s baby. So I grew up in the 90s. So I grew up at a very special time of the culture. I grew up at the tail end of a different world. When Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was coming on TV, I had a Kenya doll that I carried around everywhere. I lost all her clothes, but it's still in my mama's basement somewhere. But that being said, I was proud of being a black little girl. However, the messaging, more importantly, the advertising and messaging that was out there emphasized that my hair needs to be straight, that my skin needs to be lighter, that I should um, speak and act in a certain way that was approachable to the masses for my survival. In my adult age, I stand so firmly in who I am as a black woman. I'm proud to be black. And I don't apologize or shrink from that anymore, even in spaces where it should not come up. If those pushback come up where you have to water something down, I stand firm in my reason why we should not water it down. Because the more you water something down, the less authentic it is and the more corporate it seems that you're trying to, Darnell, to your point, grab for these dollars from the consumer spending aspect and not trying to build authentic communities and real conversations. So just wanted to say that really quick. Exactly. That that relationship and, and and part of part of what listen, we always talk about this, like one of the big areas that we're moving forward and we're moving slowly towards is how do we change the relationship between corporations and consumers and communities, right? Like how do we change that relationship where there's more the concept of shared value, right? Because right now, like something I sometimes I think it's like the relationship between the black communities and black consumers and corporations is very much so it feels like a it feels like a modern day sharecropping system right uh, in a lot of ways and that's kind of how how it is so um, holding really really leading the charge in in terms of demanding certain things and demanding change but also like owning what we can to create that change as well you know so there's a balance. And also to Darnell and Alyssa, I know you can see behind me. Yes, I have a slight purse problem. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but I have one, two, three, four, about five Brandon Blackwood boxes behind me. And I'm wearing a shirt from a Black woman-owned brand called jo Joelle Noir. I make it my duty to support as many Black and Brown smaller brands that I can before I put my dollars into these bigger brands to um, add to their corporate machines, in my personal opinion. And I think it's important because, again, to your point, the only way we're going to survive and move forward is if we support each other and keep actively supporting one another, but not tearing down the brands when they are built. Because that is a form of Black history. Brandon Blackwood, until recently, you really haven't heard of a Black-owned luxury handbag brand. 
you know and even when he was building his company people tried to tear it down in terms of the quality then say that well why would i spend four hundred dollars on this well if you spend four hundred dollars on that little baby wallet chain purse from louis vuitton why can't you spend it on a really nice handbag that supports a black creative like it's different things like that to make sure we are not only giving back to our community but in exchange we're promoting these brands as well so they can survive yeah and i love that and i and i think that ties back to um part of the motivation for us creating the creators kickback was because of these conversations that we're having here obviously black business was a big um, was very important to us because we made it like the heart of the show in that, you know, they're going to be competing for all, like for an all black prize pack. But we wanted to take it a little bit further than that when we were coming up with questions, you know, as I was looking at it, I'm like some of these, obviously in the format of the show, if you've seen the, the episodes, the questions go by very quickly. So I know all of the background and the context because I spent so much time researching and digging up these questions. And I feel like there's always something a lot deeper that I just, I, I really wanna touch on, but it doesn't necessarily make sense to a it doesn't really work in the question format to throw it into the into the the round but it might not also work in we add those little tidbit boxes the black facts in between the rounds as well as the trivia challenge at the end because we just want to incorporate as much knowledge as we can but we were like how can we come up with something to go a little bit deeper with this because there were questions like that we have a question that was a topic of the kickback when we talked about Unilever um, and how when it was Shea Moisture ended up getting, you know, bought back. It was Rishi Lou Dennis is it's now black owned again. And they were talking about that. And so we said, how can we take this and make it into a conversation, a deeper conversation? Because we remembered that back in 2017, 2018, there was that larger conversation about how when he created those commercials and they had different creative with, you know, white people in it or, you know, mixed people in it. And it caused like all this backlash among black people. And regardless of whether you stood where you stood on that, we thought it was a really important discussion to have within the community to go back and reflect on that and say, hey, like if we support black business, Business, and we want to see black business grow. Do we not want to see black business expand their base, right? Like, let's have a conversation about this. And those kind of deep conversations was really the, the motivation for that show, um, for the creators kickback and for the kickback, for us to really get people thinking deeper, well beyond education and well beyond just the game show. Now, there is a bit of a controversial question, but there's a debate right now about CRT or critical race theory and how exposing children to variations of history outside of the status quo will somehow harm them. Being transparent, what is your perspective about this ongoing debate? And Darnell, would you like to start? Yeah, yeah, I'll start. Um, my perspective is that it is expected, right? Um, it is it is expected that there is going to be a divide. Um, there anything that is created to help progress black people, there will always be a divide on it, um, whatever that looks like. Um, and part of that is rooted in the fact that, you know, there's this saying, they say the system works and people have been saying this for you, the system works for those it's, it's meant to work for. Um, 
And there comes a point when sometimes I just think about like, well, at some point we have to, we have to really think about like, how do we, how do we create our own systems? How do we create our own processes? How do we create things that work for us that it, where, where there won't be this division? Because as long as we're like operating within that system, there's always going to be a divide, no matter how pure or renewable um, our intent is. Um, and we see how narratives around positive things for to that try to uplift the black community in positive ways we see how it's always shifted into being something that's negative right um so I, so that so my answer is like i think it's expected um and and i don't think that will ever change you know if, if we say if if we say the sky is blue um and and that truth helps black people there will be a contingency of people that will say, well, sometimes the sky is gray if it's about to rain, right? Um, and that's just the nature of, of I think, even with CRT, um, I, I don't envision a scenario where that debate ever stops. And just to kind of piggyback on on what Darnell was saying. I think that, yes, there is division. And I feel like this is a sign that we should not be waiting for people to tell us what's okay. Like if if there's all of this opposition against teaching it in in an educational, teaching it in schools and in educational institutes um, institutions, then there's nothing to stop black people from teaching that to their children. You know, there's always going to be pushback, especially from non-black people about some of these topics, but it, we don't need them to, to educate our own children on that. And I feel like in those situations, that's when we need to be very, much more intentional and proactive when it comes to what we're choosing to to feed to our children. So if the, if they don't want their children to know that, like, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to like jump off a bridge for it. Like, I'm not going to, you know, that's fine. At the end of the day, I don't need you. I don't need your validation. I don't need the validation coming from the, from you understanding this piece. Um, Cause there's always going to be pushback, but as long as my children know that my future children <laughs> know that, then, then that's all, that's all I can control and all I'm interested in. Yeah. And to add to that as well, like, you know, part of this is like, um, you know, in one of the episodes of Kickback, they were talking about how um, how other countries look and, and educate on their past atrocities, right? So they, you know, there was this one person, um, this contestant, Jamil, um, you know, really, really dope guy. He's a dancer that was in Germany and he was dancing in Germany for a while. And he was talking about like how Germany educates on the Holocaust and how they educate on World War II and how they, how they, how they treat their past atrocities. But w us in America, we've never really dealt with that just from an objective education standpoint and just from like a system standpoint. Um, another one of the questions that um, we we spoke about, and, and not to get too granular, but like th that was part of a conversation about the Atlanta Compromise where um, you had Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois, they, they had, um, they were had opposing views on how to address these types of topics. Um, similarly, like in, when it comes to critical race theory, one of the concepts they talk about is the history of housing discrimination, so on and so forth, right? And one of the episodes in Do You Know Black, we spoke about Levittown, which was a suburb that was uh, integrated um, by Will and Daisy Myers, right? Um, so we speak about that, but the way that we presented in Do You Know Black is we presented in a way where it, 
it's easily digestible for all for all people um, because we think we hope that some of the areas where there's controversy, if we repackage it, it might be easier to digest. But the reality is, is that easy to digest is is still not going to prevent the people who oppose the advancement of Black people from opposing things that benefit us in our in the United States. And I'm going to probably say something a little controversial, but critical race theory by not having it keeps those who want to stay in power by the systems that were built in power, because the less you know about other stories in history, the more you have validation in your own. And that way of thinking, for example, like uh, I think you mentioned briefly, Alyssa, the mathematician from NASA who was featured in Hidden Figures, uh, Catherine Oh my goodness, my mom is going to kill me. Katherine Johnson. <laughs> Katherine Johnson, thank you. Katherine Johnson and her uh, co her colleagues, I didn't learn about them until that movie came out, you know? And I've watched that movie consecutively 10 times and I cry every single time when it gets to the part in the hallway where all the black women are walking towards the computer room because I just feel the power in that narrative and being able to see ourselves or little things like for me, Tracy Ellis Ross is one of my biggest creative heroes. Like seeing how she approaches walking that fine line of activism, but also an approach that makes her marketable for a broader audience is very admirable. And then finally, when I look at even my own leadership right now, my VP is a black woman. In my field, it is so rare to see a black woman in a position of executive leadership. And she doesn't know this, she probably knows this by now, but I just admire how hard she has worked to get to where she is because it's an inspiration. And by not having things like critical race theory, how are people supposed to be inspired to do better if they never see or hear stories about themselves? Like, how are we supposed to do better? How are we supposed to pull ourselves by, up by these bootstraps with no laces if you don't allow us to have the laces to begin with to figure things out about why we're brilliant and that our stories don't just start in trauma you know am, am i going too far tell me if i'm going too far oh, you're 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 spot on and i agree with everything that you say and uh, one of one of the hardest things for for me to to navigate and balance is the like even like when we going back to the first question that you asked is like at what point did you at what point did you um, realize that you had to like edit yourself right and and it I realized and you know how I said it was it was a product of necessity it's not that I wanted to edit myself it's not that it was ideal for me to edit myself um it, it wasn't it none of these situations were ideal it took a lot longer um than, than it should have but there came a point when I was looking around and I was like if I'm waiting for somebody else to do this it's never gonna happen so I, 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 I try to balance this, this idea of like, what can, what can we do to, to fill the gaps that we know if we wait for, we, if we wait for the other side to fill them, our kids and our grandkids will be having the same conversations that we're having today. But that's, but to your point, this is not to absolve um, or, or let them off the hook for, for having to do that or putting the pressure to do that because it's part of society, it's our responsibility um, and our duty to put pressure on people to do right by us as well. So it's like, how do we balance both of these things? And, and this is something that, that I always think about. And then thinking about 
the ones who are doing the work right now in the culture, are there any creatives or cultural activists who are bringing awareness about Black culture that you both would like to recognize? Alyssa, anyone? So I'm, Darnell can correct me if I'm mispronouncing her name, but I think her, it's Bertude or is Ber, how do you say it in Korean? I, I think it's, I, th I think you just say Bertude, yeah. So she's a creative, we're, we're both Haitian, um, of Haitian descent. Darnell is first generation. I'm um, mixed with African-American and, and to be honest, I didn't even know that side. I didn't really um, embrace my, my Haitian culture until I got to college and after, cause I just didn't have the experience and I, I didn't really relate to it until then. But there's a creator on, um, she's big on TikTok and, and, I, and I think Instagram, and her name is Bert Bertude. And she does uh, these little videos about like Haiti. She's like, her big focus is making sure that people understand like everything, not only about the country and the people, but just certain things that, you know, Haiti has influenced that people don't recognize. And I, I just love the way she's, um, she's an academic and I just love the way she presents the information. And that's literally what our goal was for this, like to really create, we haven't gotten into the short form, like we post on TikTok, but we're not, you know, our faces are not on TikTok yet. And that's something that eventually we'll have to do. But I appreciate how she, how she puts out the content because that is something that's like a lost, uh, it's like a lost art, you know, really being able to, to present information to people in a way that is, is interesting. So I, I definitely respect what she's doing with her brand. Yeah, um, on, on a on a larger scale, someone that uh, someone that I, I admire is uh, Roland Martin. I think uh, he does a great job in terms of like facilitating conversation, even with like the evolution of news and the evolution of reporting and how things are reported and how conversation is had. Um, you know, I have a deep respect for one how he's. How his how he's maintained his brand, how he's maintained his integrity, um, how he's maintained his ability to storytell, and then also how he's just like built he's built out his platform to to uh, the point of being independently viable, where he can stay authentic to himself, um, and and he's an alpha brother as well, so that's always positive. Um, so 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 there's that. Um, so so that's like one person that that I think of, um, and then other people that that just generally speaking that I think are really good role models are, are the people who are showing how to be strategic with navigating through a, navigating through a capitalist society and leveraging our positions to uplift the black community economically. Um, we've seen what LeBron James is doing with how he's navigated and leveraged his platform to build the I Promise School, and how he's in, he's positively impacting um, urban neighborhoods in Ohio. Um, we've seen the same thing with Jalen Rose, how he's been able to do that. Um, we've seen what Tyler Perry has done in Atlanta. Um, you know, we've seen what Kevin Hart is currently doing with his platforms. Not to always lean on celebrities, but I think that we've we've achieved a lot of our collective wealth through entertainment and seeing the people that are taking that collective wealth, power, visibility, and network and applying it in a way that can advance the community further, um, I think is phenomenal. And I'm looking forward to seeing more people do it. And ho hopefully we'll be, hopefully one day we'll be part of that story too. 
Yeah. And I'll be remiss not to mention Issa because she's a big yes. one for me. Issa! I, I didn't mention Issa only because you mentioned her before. It's okay, yeah. Daniel. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on a minute. Wait, let me make sure I mention Issa in there. I think she's, she's I, I feel like she's the closest... I, I feel like I can relate to her in the closest way than anyone else in that is particularly in the entertainment space because of where she started. I was a fan since awkward black girl. I really related to the show. I felt like I related to the fact that I love how she's put out her content and she's always stayed true to herself. Like she's never become something that does not seem like herself. Like she continues to be the same person she was before. And I think more people are just on her bandwagon. And I feel like that's the that's the route that we that we want to take. Like so now that we recognize some of the creatives like you mentioned, uh, the Kevin Hart, the LeBron James, shout out to Issa Ray. We love you, Issa. And I will be I cannot forget uh what's her name? Quinta Brunson who created Abbott Elementary. I love Abbott. That is my show. She went from he got money to ABC. So she's definitely someone who's doing it for the culture. But for those who want to learn more about the impact of Black history and our culture besides your show, what resources would you recommend? And Darnell, since you um, gave so many gems so far, what are your resources that you would like to share? Um, uh, that That's that's a phenomenal question, actually. Um, the beyond do you know black um which which i think if you're not following us make sure to because we we are very intentional about like what we do and how we do it and how we're building um where we are today is not where we're going to be tomorrow um or next year we are we are building and aggressively growing um in terms of structurally so that's one the other thing that i think is um important for any black person in america to do is go see the museum out in dc um, that 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 um, was uh, an experience of a lifetime uh, going there for the first time. Um, in fact, when when I think about the the brand of Do You Know Black and the show Do You Know Black, um, the feeling that people get uh, when they're at the Do You Know Black weekend, uh, it, it's kind of like the feeling that you know I got the first time I went to the museum. When you leave feeling so refreshed. Um, empowered and educated. Um, so so that that's something that I would say. And that's also like the energy that we wanted to bring to the show as well. Um, I know that the question wasn't about the show, but that was also the, the, the energy we wanted to bring to the show because when you go to the museum and you start at the, at the basement level and it's showing like, you know, this is a farming village and this is a hunting people. And, you know, these are writing people and, you know, these are literaries and all these things. And then it talks about like what that process was like uh, in the slave trade. And then you're going through the bottom and then you go up the elevator or up the steps. And then you see the next level where it's talking about, uh, you know, some of the things that were happening through slavery and then through civil rights movement. And then you move up and then you start seeing like the progression of, of black people in America and, and some of the successes that we've had. And then by the time, it's so strange. It's like, by the time you get to the, to the fourth floor, and now you're seeing like like just the colors and the vibrance and all of these images of these successful black figures currently and historically. Um, it's powerful because you're there and you're like so motivated and inspired, but then you still remember like you still remember the basement level, right? So so that's that's probably the one thing that I would say of, for anybody like 
if, if any, it should be a trip that all black people in America make with their family. I, I second that. And I think in terms of resources, I'm trying to think of, because uh, even in our research, we're, we're on a variety, just for, for legal purposes and just for fact checking purposes, I, I check like at least four or five different sites when I'm researching every question. But one that I consistently go to, um, to just to even kick things off is Black Past. I think it's like an amazing uh, curated website. It, they have, and I remember, cause I, 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 was, I was looking at them for maybe, I was visiting their site for years, for like decades, even when I was in, I think in college, I remember going on their site for different things, but it was built out a little bit differently and it's a lot cleaner and easier to navigate now, but it's one of those sites that you just kind of go and it's, it's like a Wikipedia for, 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 for black information. It's not everything, but they have a lot about a, a ton of different black people you probably haven't heard of, like bios, information. So I love, I, I love that website as a resource. And I think that like, I really appreciate it because it's an, it's a nonprofit, if I can recall pr- correctly, a 401, a 501c3. And I know how much work it takes to build the site and how much work it takes to maintain it. Everything is volunteer driven. They have like academics that are coming and updating the content. And I really appreciate the, the seriousness that they put into uh, putting together this content. So I, I would say that for, for sure. Um, and then generally, this isn't necessarily like a resource, but something that I love documentaries. Um, I, I One day, my next project will be a documentary, but I, I love them and I really appreciate Stanley Nelson. Um, he's been doing the work for, for decades and he has really great documentaries about just black topics. He had one a few years ago um, on the Black Panthers and he had one about uh, Oaks Bluff, you know, like the Black Martha's Vineyard. He had, he's done one on just like a variety of black topics and he's never strayed from that. He's always really focused on that and they air them on PBS and I just appreciate how he gets the information out to, to the people. So I would definitely say check out some of his documentaries as well because they're very enlightening. Yeah, I wanna add one more thing too, generally speaking, um, because Black Pass is a great resource. Um, I think generally speaking, we as Black people need to be very mindful, especially in a social media driven world, very mindful of how we create our, our digital experience, right? How, how, what are we consuming? What are we following? Um, making sure that we have like a balanced digital diet, right? Because um, I, th- I, find, I found myself, especially when we're managing our social media pages and doing all this stuff, like just doing research on like, okay, well, like what are people doing out there from marketing perspective, brand perspective? And I found myself literally just like scrolling for hours and and receiving nothing of value, right? Whether it's on TikTok, on Instagram, and I'm just literally scrolling, finding nothing of value. And then there are like these seasons when we're like doing our research and we're doing these things. And you realize like the, the online experience, whether it's via Twitter, whether it's via Instagram, whether it's via TikTok, you can literally create your own experience. So my advice to to all Black people, in addition to like what Alyssa said, in addition to like going to the museums that uh, Black people are building out and going to these spaces, don't don't just rely on what is the most popular thing out there. Take time to like customize your digital experience 
um, and making sure that you have a balanced dose of, yes, entertaining stuff, some ratchet stuff, but make sure that you're being intentional about also feeding yourself some of like the, the, the fruits and vegetables of content, if you will. And I agree with that. And, you know, before we get into our mini game where I hopefully won't embarrass my family, um, I really think it's important that, you know, to your point, that you put things on your digital diet or your social feed that's going to feed your soul while entertaining you as well. For example, when I went to New York a few weeks ago for CultureCon, I planned in my trip to go to the Basquiat exhibit down in Soho in the Meatpacking District. I love Basquiat's work. I was not aware of his work until I would say during right around the pandemic when I started seeing more of his work come across my feed and inspired by other artists and I had to go by and see this curated exhibit that was created by his family of unlimited works because in my opinion black art and black artists don't get the respect that they deserve when it comes to being revered for what they've done for moving the needle forward in the art world or creativity and I could even speak to like Bisa Butler I keep one of her pieces as a screensaver on my computer at work, I think it's called uh, School Patrol or something like that. But it's a quilted piece that is so beautiful and intricate. And I get someone who comes by every day from my desk when I'm in office asking, that's beautiful. And that's my opportunity to educate them about that art and the art piece. Because a lot of times our art isn't seen as high up as like a renaissance piece or something like that. You know, we just have a different perspective and a way of doing things. But it's, to your point, Darnell, it's what you choose to educate yourself about that's the most important. Mm -hmm. Well, now that we've gotten the questions out of the way that I have given to you, we're going to switch things up since we have both Alyssa and Darnell on the show today. We're going to play a mini version of their game, Do You Know Black? And again, y'all, I know as much as Black culture that I can. If I don't know these answers, do not make fun of me in my mentions. I am learning and evolving every day just like the rest of y'all. I at least know something past Martin, Rosa, and Harriet. So that being said, uh, Darnell, Alyssa, who's going to give me my first question? I'll, I'll give it so so I so I'll, I'll give them because I, ha I have uh, something pulled up here okay okay and this is this is from one of our episodes so we're gonna do it fun and um I I think I will you know we'll 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 start easy and then we'll go a little bit hard okay well now what's easy to you are, are we talking like second grade school assembly easy or are oh. we talking college level easy um, we're, we're, we're talking, if you don't get the first one easy, then, then you're going to be in trouble in the second and third one. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> All right. All right, let's go. Okay, cool. So first question is, who was the first woman to own and produce her own television show? You talking about Oprah? You got it. Boom. Okay. okay. You see that? You, you should, you know what? Like I, I, I'm going to make a, descri a descriptor of your face for the people listening. It was like this confused, like, oh my goodness. Like this, he said it was easy. That was the look on her face <laughs> for the people listening. Okay. So, yes. so you got that one. Okay. Okay. Um, the second one. Okay. This one's a little bit harder. Okay. Are, are you a hip hop person? Do you, do you have a good background in hip hop at all or? I have a decent background in hip hop, uh, not that modern day mumble stuff. I do not follow that. 
Okay, no, this is not. This is, uh, I'll, I'll give you a little hint. This is very much so um, very popular 90s, okay? Situation. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. I was a Backstreet Boys in sinker when in Jordan. Okay, I'm not mad at you. I'm not <laughs> mad at you. Okay. What was the first nationally distributed clothing line, clo clothing line inspired and launched by hip hop artists? Uh, was it Inise or Fubu? No, no, no. This, this one. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no. Let me try again. Let me try again. Was okay. it cross colors? No. Dang. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. I'll, I'll give you a hint. Okay. I'll give you a hint. Okay. Um, this was a very popular collective uh, in the nineties. Can I phone a friend? <laughs> as long as your friend's not Alyssa. <laughs> oh, never mind. I, I honestly don't know. Tell me. Okay. It was a uh, woo wear, woo wear. Was I at least close though? Cause I said Fubu, Inise, and Cross Colors. I was like in the, I was in the the ballpark, right? No. Listen, listen. What I'll say is that anybody listening to this can respect your answers. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I think your your uh, your answers are uh, respectable. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Um. So, uh, now now we're gonna go to another um, another musical question. Okay. Who was the first woman inducted? into the blues hall of fame oh my gosh was her name mammy mm -mm. no mm -mm. oh can i call my mama real quick she might know <laughs> okay. <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding um i honestly i felt like i know her face but i do not know her name i'm so sorry it's okay it's uh bessie smith bessie almost cursed bessie smith <laughs> Yes. So, I, so I'm gonna give you. I, she I'll had a give movie you. on BET, right? With yeah. um, Queen Latifah. Was, yeah, was it? Was uh huh. It? Uh huh. See, I yeah. knew that. You see, see, see. I, you're representing yourself well. Okay. Yes. So, so um, I'm gonna give you a couple that are easy enough. Okay. I, I don't so. want to lose my black card because um, <laughs> Thanksgiving's coming up, and yeah, go ahead. So I'll, I'll end with two. I'll end with two. If if you if you get these two, then you get a 100. Okay. All right. Uh, which historically black university was founded by Booker T. Washington in 1881? Oh my God. This one is middle. This one is like, you You definitely learned it at some point. Okay. It wasn't Tuskegee, was it? Yes, it was. Oh! Yeah, there we go. See that? <laughs> yeah. you, no, listen, you all right. You, you know a little bit. <laughs> You're not bad. I knew it. <laughs> you know what? I, I because I like your thought process because I could see for the people like you, you like I could see that you're you're processing you're you're doing this process of elimination in your head. So, mm -hmm. so that's not bad. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I got one, mom. I got it. <laughs> okay. All right. So so this this last one is this last one is very hard. Okay. For somebody else, but it okay. should be easy for you. Okay. That that's your hint. All right. <laughs> Established in 1893, what was the first summer resort community designed by and for African Americans? It's not Martha's Vineyard, is it? Mm -mm. It was the one you just said. You just said it not too long ago, right? Mm -mm. No. 
This one is a hard one. It's, it's but, hard. But, but remember, it should be easy for you. That's the hint. It should be easy for me. Is it because it's in the DC area? It's in the DMV area. The DMV area. Oh, so you mean Salamander Resorts? No, but you know, that would have been a good answer. That would have been a good answer. I, I see. So so I, I I feel like you're not going to get this one, but it's okay. It's okay. okay. All right. Uh, this this is um, Highland Beach, Maryland. You know, honestly, I have never been there. Uh, okay, okay. So maybe it wasn't. So, I, you know, I, I tried oh, to give you a little Were hint. you aware that it was founded by um, uh, Frederick Douglass's son and his wife? Mm-mm. Founded that area after they got, like, denied at some other, like, all-white beach. So they created... And it still exists. I think only a, a couple of people live in the area. Um, I don't know if the if the beach is you. It might be a private beach now, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. I had no idea. And sad thing is, they really talk about um, Harriet Tubman and like her freedom and everything like that. The Freedom Walk down here in Maryland, but they never talk about that. I've never heard that until today. So I learned something. Well, let me tell you. Oh. Let me tell you, even even if uh, you didn't get all of them right, your thought process shows that you're you definitely you're definitely you're definitely respectful, respectable. That was a respectable performance and your thought process. Uh, I could you could tell that you had the knowledge in the back of your head. Thank you, because, you know, we're, we're still evolving in our black history and culture. There's a lot we don't know about our history that will take us a lifetime to figure out. But. I really do appreciate you guys coming on my show today. Before we go, I know we mentioned your social media platforms, but where else can people find you to follow, support, and watch your platform evolve and grow to, we're just going to call it out there, a television show one day on a major network, on your network. (laughs) I love that. So um, you can find our content, uh, Do You Know Black Seasons 1 and 2, as well as the Creators Kickback. The, the kickback and the creators kickback all of that lives on the house party entertainment channel on youtube so check it out like subscribe comment engage that really helps us out so other people can find our content um and then as so darnell mentioned we're also on social so we are on instagram and tiktok so we're at instagram at, at do you know black and on tiktok at do you know black but the black is spelled blk Well, thank you guys so much for joining me for coffee today. I really enjoyed chatting with you and I'll chat with you soon. Thank you. All right. I hope you have fun for today's episode. Darnell and Alyssa were a joy to have on the show and really explore those honest conversations about black culture, black history, and even testing my knowledge of the culture, which my bad, I did not know some of those answers. I I tried y'all, I really did. To learn more about me and my business, Pink Dollhouse Marketing, you can go ahead and check out my website, pinkdollhousemarketing.com, or you can follow my business page on Instagram at Pink Dollhouse Marketing. You can slide into my DMs. That's totally cool. I'll chat with you soon. Bye. Coffee with Yvonne is produced and edited by Yvonne Pearson. Coffee with Yvonne is created by Pink Dollhouse Marketing. You can catch the latest episodes by subscribing to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.